It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning. It's Lawn and Garden, and I am back. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgie Gardener here. To, <laughs> the sound of applause is deafening. The, uh, I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgie Gardener, here to make you more successful in your garden and to report on where I have been. As you know, Ashley Frasca has been hosting for the past uh, two Saturday mornings, and Joe Lample and Mark Banta both did great jobs being guest experts. Mickey Gasway from Pike both Saturdays was in with them as well. And I should know that they did a great job because I listened to them from where I was in other parts of the world. As some of you may know, I went to Ecuador to see the Galapagos and see the Amazon rainforest. Took a, took a group of garden friends down there, and we had a great time, 35 or so people, I guess. We just had a fabulous time exploring some of Quito, which is the capital city of Ecuador, and going to the Galapagos and seeing the turtles and tortoises and the animals that are endemic there, as well as going to the Amazon rainforest and seeing the birds and the other creatures and the plants and things that live on the Amazon River. It was one of the most fascinating trips I've ever been on. Totally different, too, and totally different. That is the wild thing, just totally different from anything I've ever done before. I think what I'll do this morning is, at the beginning of each hour, is I'll talk about some aspect of the trip, and the first aspect, I think, is just the people, the people of, of, of Quito, Ecuador. The way that you get to Ecuador from Atlanta is there's a direct flight from Atlanta to Quito, and uh, it leaves in the afternoon around 5.30 or 5.40, something like that. It gets down there about 10.30 or 10.40. So it's a you know trip. You get in pretty late in the evening, and we went directly to our hotel. But I found, of course, that everything, everybody that we dealt with was completely friendly, completely helpful, completely you know, useful in finding the things that we needed to find out about how do you get from here to there, how do you get from the restaurants, how do you get to the, to the taxi stands and things like that. So they were very, very, very nice and accommodating to our group. And we did have, as I say, 35 people, so a lot of people to get, get worked up and to move their luggage around and things like that. The main other thing I wanted to mention about the people of Ecuador is the Quechua people, who are the native folks who live sort of in hamlets closer to the river, close to the jungle, not in, in Quito necessarily, because most everybody in Quito the, is the mestizos, the, the mixture of people from different parts of the world that have come to settle in different parts of South America, some mixture of Afro-American, Afro-European, and then Afro, and then native people, and then the Spanish, and just people from all over the uh, world who at various times have inhabited or conquered or marched through that part of the world. And Quito and Ecuador are the uh, types of people who live down there. The housing looked nice, very uh, well taken care of. The airport was modern. We got in and out pretty easily down there. The transportation, as you would imagine, is mostly by public transportation, by bus and walking. 
bicycles some and some motorbikes with a lot of bus transportation in Quito that we saw as well. When we were speaking of transportation, when we were on the river on the Amazon on the tributary that we were on, it was mostly by motorized canoe. Now, that's an interesting experience. We had both motorized and hand-powered canoe that we got where we needed to go. The motorized canoe holds about 15, I'm guessing, 15 or 16 people maybe. There's a big outboard motor on the back, and there's a guy back there who's operating the motor, and the guy up front who's sort of looking out for floating logs and alligators and things like that in the river. And so that was one interesting way of... Um, of uh, transport. The other, as I said, was with the uh, people-powered canoes, and they would only hold about eight, I guess, people in the people-powered canoe, and for that you had a guy in the back who's paddling, a guy in the front who's paddling and guiding, and that's how we got along in the uh, around the Amazon River Basin. For the Galapagos, the transportation was a ship. We were on a great big ship, and the ship goes from island to island, which is you have heard the Galapagos Islands are there off of Quito, right there close to the equator. And frankly, I didn't have a clear vision in my mind of where the Galapagos actually were. I thought they were further south, down toward the, the tip of South America, but I was certainly wrong. And so the big ship would go from island to island, taking us from place to place as we, as we visited there. And again, at the beginning of each hour this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the plants, a little bit more about the animals that we saw with the trip to Ecuador, the Galapagos, the Amazon, it was fabulous. We had a wonderful time. Here were a couple more questions about the trip. Nicole, our friend in Griffin. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reed. Mr. Nicole. We miss you. I listened to you. I listened to you both Saturday mornings, Nicole. On one Saturday, I'd had to come back to Atlanta for some family uh, business here. And so I was driving or riding, I guess, in a, in a car from the airport back to my house. And I said to the lady who was driving, I said, turn on 95.5 on the FM dial. And so she turned it on. I could hear you and Ashley talking for a while there before I got home. And then on the next Saturday, I was on the Amazon, and I had my they have a Wi-Fi connection there in the resort where we were staying. And I... Uh, Pulled you up there and to talk to hear you and, and Ashley talking to each other about uh, flowers and things like that. So it was pretty interesting, Nicole, to hear you from the other side of the world. All right. Yeah. Ashley did very good, Mr. Reed. Oh, man, she was fabulous. Just great. Yes. No flaws or anything. No she flaws, no flies. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Ashley. She's so you good. came back in between. In between, yeah, as you may have heard, my mother passed uh, <gasps> during the middle of the of the trip. Yeah. We were Oh no. Oh, it was it was frankly, Nicole, I'll have to tell you, it was a great relief to the family. My mother has been not mentally or physically um very well for the past couple of years since she had a stroke about four years ago now. She had a stroke and she had a, a broken hip and so she was both housebound, bedbound, as well as not able to say more than a couple of words because of the stroke. And so the family had been prepared for her passing for easily three years. And so finally, when it happened, and it was fabulous that my brother was there with her, which I just was so grateful for. But finally, when it happened, and even though I was in you know another country, I knew what I was going to do. I talked to the people that I sponsored the tour and told them what I would do if there was any emergency, because every time for the past four years that I've gone out of the country, I've had to sort of plan, what am I going to do if my mother or the mother of some of my friends there were to pass away, what would we do? 
And so it was a relief to the family. We had a wonderful funeral. We had a, the best funeral, Nicole, you and I could ever hope to have for ourselves. You must have been worried about the other people on the other side and you people on this side. Wait, say that again. What was the first part? You must have been worried about, you know, the 35 people. Yeah, I was worried. So what? But there, I found, Nicole, that garden tours are very self-sufficient, as most gardeners are, as you know, yes, and, uh, <laughs> any gardener that you... We adjust. You, you adjust. You can do whatever you need to do. And they took care of themselves. We had a wonderful guide. And Tomas took care of the group, and my friend Miriam took care of the group, and so there was no particular missing Walter every morning. Walter didn't need to be there. Walter was okay. back taking care of his business for four but days. But still a lot of stress, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, somewhat. Good. Maybe somewhat. We got back. We got the got the funeral planned. My siblings did a fabulous job planning the funeral with me, and um, we carried it out, and then it was back on the plane and back down to Ecuador. Oh, good grief. Yeah, All good grief. Stress. <laughs> All stress. Got a lot of frequent flyer miles, so. <laughs> they had got a well, lot I of. Why was that close? Six hours? Uh, no, it's not. It's only four and a half. Good grief. 440, yeah. It's not that bad. What kind of weather was it? Uh, it was uh, warm. It was, you know, that was one of the most interesting things, Nicole. The weather in any one day might start out being chilly, might go to warm, like 70 degrees, 80 degrees maybe during the day in the sun, and then at night turn back chilly again, and then rain for a while during the afternoon. And so you never quite knew what to wear in the morning if you're going out for the day. So we all had little packs on our backs that we would carry extra clothes and a you know, rain poncho and maybe an umbrella, something like that, in case it rained on us. So the weather was very nice, you know, for us for the most part throughout the whole experience. But uh, the weather was certainly changeable. Oh, boy. What kind of landscape over there? <laughs> mountains talk about, and water? I'm going to talk about that in the next hour, I think. Talk about the plants and the landscapes and things like that. The landscapes themselves were, you know, we really didn't go to many to any homes where there were landscapes in front of them. A few of the single-family homes that we passed by had a little bit of lawn, a little bit of trees and flowers in front, but I don't think that we were really intending to go to any of the, the homes where people live, but we were intending to more see the Amazon, see the Galapagos, and visit there rather than private gardens. Poor people over there? Lots of poor people, a lot of well-off people, too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So where are you going, Nicole? Where's your next trip? Uh, this afternoon, Nashville. Uh, Nashville, bless Nashville. your heart. Music City, right up Yeah, but there. then again, when I leave, you know, I'm against the traffic. Yeah. And when I come back at 4 o'clock in the morning, no traffic. None, zero, nada. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was surprised to see how much traffic there is in Atlanta on the morning that I was driving from the airport to my home. There's a lot of traffic over the expressway at 6 a.m. coming into Atlanta. It was amazing. I'd never knew that. I don't need well, people would do that every single yeah, morning. Yeah, right. It's it's one of those things that the traffic team, Ashley Frasca, of course, very well aware of that because she does traffic every day. So, And was, she did traffic this afternoon, yeah, this week. Exactly. She was all over the place. And thank goodness she is off today. So we have uh, Josh is in here taking her place, and he will screen calls in her place very well, I'm sure. Well, she doesn't have to get up early. (laughs) (laughs) Well, i got to get out of here, Nicole. It's wonderful to be back, wonderful to talk to you once again. 
I'm so sorry about your mother, though. Thank mm. you for your thank you for your thoughts, Nicole. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon. It is eight. Excuse me. It's six nineteen. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News ninety five five at AM seven fifty WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News ninety five five at AM seven fifty WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. We understand about the weather. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. High today around 65 degrees. Right now, 47.3 degrees. Chance of rain this evening going up pretty high around 10, 11 o'clock this afternoon. This evening going to rain today. Tomorrow, high of around 56 degrees. And tomorrow night, down into the 30s. 31 degrees is the low. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Paula joins us from Canton, Georgia. Hey, Paula. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm quite well, Paula. How can I help? I have a question for you. Yes. I have some amazing milk and wine lilies nice. that are about four generations old. And um, I need to separate them uh-huh. and dry them. And uh-huh. I don't know how to do it because I'd like to be able to keep them to plant them next fall. You're going to be surprised at how big they are. They are, mine at least, are an enormous clump of the crinum or milk and wine lilies. They are just big boys there in the ground. So go out further than you think necessary to dig them up. Get a shovel or, better than yet, maybe a, a spading fork and stick it down into the ground and just gently loosen the ground around it till you get the big clump out of the ground. And you'll see pretty easily, I think, Paula, that they divide, they have their separate bulbs on the clump there, so you can pretty easily pop them off from each other and, and uh, divide it. And then it would be nice if you had a little bit of yellow. Do you have sulfur? Do you know what sulfur is? Just a little powdered yellow stuff. Yeah. You can buy it sometimes from drugstores and, and garden centers, but take some sulfur and just sprinkle it a little bit onto the cut places where they uh, break apart from each other. And then you put them in a paper bag. It would be nice to have some peat moss or crumpled newspaper or something like that around them to keep them from touching each other very much. And you put them into a relatively cool but not uh, cold and not warm place for the wintertime. Next spring, around April 15th, April 20th, April, somewhere in the late April time span, you plant them outside and up they come again. Awesome. Thank you so much. The important thing, I think, is to Put the sulfur on the cut parts, keep them dry, keep them cool, and you should have some good-looking bowls for next year. Thank you. You bet, Paula. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Paula's place. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 636 on a Saturday morning, 47 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden and to answer your questions about what do you do when the weather is turning cold. 31 degrees perhaps tomorrow. The forecast for Monday might be down in the 20s, he said, 28, 29, 30, something like that. So if you have questions about what to do about plants for 
preparing for cold weather. My phone number, 404-872-0750. DJ is in Decatur, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, DJ, morning. Good morning, sir. Um, I noticed on my pine tree, as the weather turned colder, that the pine needles were beginning to turn yellow. Yeah. And um, I was just wondering why. I called last week. I didn't get the final answer to that. <laughs> I'll give you the final answer this Saturday. How about that? Thanks for waiting seven days. Uh, <laughs> the truth is, that is completely normal and natural. I went by a patch of pines while I was home a week ago. Where was I driving? I can't remember where I was driving, but I saw a patch of pine trees, and the interior needles were all, as you say, yellow and brown. Yes. And I thought, somebody's going to ask me about that. I need to explain that pines, even though we call them evergreen, they are just... They all they, they transition at different times of the year from green to brown, and then new needles come out. Yeah. And so the needles that you're seeing are falling because they're the older needles, and mostly interior needles on the pine tree. Right. And they fall and make you have to rake them up, of course. And then the new needles out on the tips of the branches are still green. They persist until next year, maybe even two years sometimes. And then they will fall from the tree. They'll turn brown and fall from the tree. So a natural process, but just one of those things that you notice sometimes at different times of the year. They turn yellow. Sometimes you have a little bit of drop in the spring as well. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I thought they were beginning to turn yellow because the uh, my hardwood leaves were beginning to <laughs> <laughs> In a sense, they are. I mean, they're all yeah. attuned to the same natural yeah. phenomena that make leaves turn, and your hardwoods, your maples and oaks uh, turn brown as well. And the pines are responding to day length and temperature as those trees do. And we should not fertilize this tree right now. No, they can't use any fertilizer now. They're trying to go to sleep right now. Fertilizer simply wakes them up at a time they would rather not be wakened. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. DJ, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Thank you. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take DJ's place. Red is in Atlanta. He joins us this morning. Hey, Red. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. What can I do for you, Red? Uh, I've got a couple of questions. Um... They're kind of off-the-wall questions. Uh, I was wondering if there's uh, any self-mowing lawnmowers coming out. Since they're yeah. going to have cars and trucks and Ubers, uh, they should have a lawnmower that would just drive around and mow. Well, they're not self-driving in the sense that a truck or a car is, but I have used myself as a demo a couple of years in a row, I think, a um autonomous lawnmower, shall we call it that, an automatic lawnmower. It was pretty wonderful. I got to tell you, Red, it was, you'd wake up sometimes, not wake up during the day, but you'd look out on your lawn during the day, and the lawnmower would have backed itself out from its little hutch it kept itself in most of the day. After it got charged up and it felt like it had not mowed enough that day, it'd go out and wander around the lawn mowing things. It had a wire, like the wire you use for controlling pets, you know, just a wire that's buried in the ground, it has a sensor inside. And whenever it hmm. sensed that it was close to that wire, it would simply back up and head off in a random direction. Now you may say, well, it should have just mowed back and forth, back and forth, like you or any you know, guy or, or woman would do in a lawn, or human would do on a lawn, but it didn't really matter. Random will get the job done just as well as going back and forth and back and forth by, by brain power. So my lawn hmm. looked great. And it helps to control weeds, too. You never got a weed much more than, you know, two and a half inches high where I set the mower. So well, I like it. Are those, are those available? Absolutely. Anywhere yet? Oh, absolutely. There, what, if you, what brand? Let me what see. Brand what did it? I have? The, 
Kubota? What was that? It was a Kubota, I think. Okay. Kyota. Mm. That's what it was. K-Y-O-T-A. And there are other brand names that you'd recognize, and I can't remember the rest of them for the life of me right now, but if you just Google self uh, or you know battery-powered okay. lawnmowers or automatic lawnmowers, something like that. Yeah, they work well. Very well. Okay, great. I uh, need one. <laughs> How big is your lawn? I've got a few acres. Wow! And a uh, kind of a little community garden thing going. Yeah. And that brings me to the next question. Um, well, it's, maybe uh, we can talk about it later, but I want to try to figure out a green space conservation plan. And maybe mm. I need a corporate sponsor or somebody to help me put an easement on uh, yeah. on my land and keep it green forever. So I thought maybe you might might know some people to talk to. Yeah, the people, the conservation folks, there's several green space conservation areas in and around Atlanta. And the people that I'm familiar with are over in Athens uh, because they're friends of mine who have done a great job with green space conservation over there where they put the land into conservation easement status and so it cannot be developed because green space forever and ever and ever. And what is the name of the Athens? Now, again, it's early in the morning. It's, I think the Athens Land Trust. Yeah, Athens or, Land Trust. Out, ALP. There's yeah. some, yep, there's some others. I've talked to some of those folks, but yeah. I still haven't. To me, those those would be the best people to talk to. The Athens Land Trust, Nancy Stangle used to be the um, chair of that. She's retired now, but the people who took over after her are quite, quite intelligent and quite able to help you guide your way through the green space conservation stuff. Okay, I'll check with them again. Yeah. All right. All well, right, and then man. maybe we'll have a green space meeting or something if uh, I can't figure out the right thing. And going or, back, going back we'll to the it. lawnmower, Red, I'm not sure there is one that can take care of several acres, but a normal lawn, hmm. a quarter to a half an acre, there's oh, no okay. problem at all. I need like a mini tractor. Yeah, I don't know if we have itself. one of those yet. Not big enough for several yeah. acres, but certainly normal lawns, these lawnmowers do great. The big farms probably have them, but I don't know if there's a medium. Yeah. Medium-sized one that's GPS-controlled. That, that I don't know. You'll have to do more research than I know myself. Okay, I'll Google it. Thanks for calling, Red. All right, thank you. Have See a great you. day. You bet. Gene and Jasper joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gene. Good morning. Hello. How Hi. are you, Walter? I'm well, Gene. How are you? Well, I'm doing just fine. Uh, I met you out at Gibbs Gardens with sure. a girlfriend this summer, and I was totally surprised. We just went on a whim, <laughs> and there was a big tent there. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I said, oh, I can't believe Walter Reed. I've oh, always wanted God. to meet him. And so anyway, we got to meet you and hear your uh, seminar, and we enjoyed good, it. But good. today I'm calling about these ferns that I have at my house in Jasper, Georgia. Uh-huh. They are beautiful. They're the best I've ever had. And I wanted to know how I can keep them and have them again next year because I'm going to be moving, and I want to take them with me. And these are hanging ferns like Boston ferns or Kimberly Well, they're ferns. not Bostons. I usually did, but this was different. They're, they're, they kind of look like a Boston, but they're, they're more healthy and yeah. spry, and they kind of stick up. You know, they're like more up in the air and yeah. just a prettier shape. I would imagine those are Kimberly Queen. Kimberly, that's yeah, it. Go. Um, well, you know, obviously they won't stand being outside in the wintertime. They get oh. frozen. So what I have done pretty successfully, I'm not going to say it was 100% successfully, but 
75% successfully, was um, I tried two ways. Number one was to put light on the ferns and hang them in a the basement. And that was the one where they lost a lot of the fronds and didn't look great until probably June the next year. They survived the wintertime just fine mm-hmm. underneath the lights. But, mm-hmm. man, they didn't come back very quickly at all. The ones that came back better were when in the fall previous, like right now when it's getting cold outside, I took a basket and dumped it over on its side and took a saw, a little hand saw that I had, and yeah, sawed it in half. Though. Yeah, just sawed it in half and put each half into a, another hanging basket and oh. put that in a very, very sunny window I had at the time. And they did great. They started growing into the surrounding medium that I had planted in in the in the second basket, mm-hmm. and looked pretty nice by April when it was about time to bring them outside. And by the middle of the summer, by June and July, they were fabulous, overflowing the basket. Looked great. Oh my goodness! Well, I would love to do that. Now, what kind of medium did you put the just one half? Potting soil, just plain potting soil that I had. Just in there. any kind of miracle grow, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Oh, well, that is a great thing. I'm going to do that tomorrow. No fertilizer or anything like that. And when I put them under lights, it's possible I didn't have quite enough light on them because it was just one little 60-watt, you know, one of those twirly fluorescent bulbs that I had on it. But I would imagine that if you wanted to keep them, this is for other listeners who don't have a sunny window like I had, Mm -hmm. but I imagine if you wanted to keep them indoors, if you had a couple of 100-watt CFL fluorescent, you know, curly bulbs, and put little reflectors on that, the little drop reflectors you can get from the big box stores. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that a couple of hundred watts of fluorescent light on them during the wintertime would keep them looking pretty green. Mm-hmm. And what about any kind of watering and fertilizing during that period? I tested it once in a while. I would go in and just put my finger in and see if it was dry. If it was dry, I watered, but I was on the... I would have to say it was on the dry side. I did not want them to get way soggy wet because I knew they wouldn't dry out very quickly inside the house, and so I didn't want to get them soggy. Mm-hmm. And so every, yeah, I don't know, every week or so, Gene, I'd come in and put my finger down into the into yeah. the main part of the basket to see if it was moist or not. When it was dry, they watered. When it was moist, they stayed alone. It was fine. Just plain water? Yeah, just plain water. Okay. So uh, I have a terrace uh, basement, all windows across the back. Yeah. And so I could probably maybe uh, hang them there at those windows. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate the tip. It's great talking to you, Gene. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Goodbye. We'll see you soon. It's 746 on a Saturday morning. Again, our number, 404-872-0750. Speaking of the cold weather that's coming up, one of the emails that I got while I was gone was, Is it too late to plant fescue seed? And my answer up until about right now has been, no, you could probably get it done. It'll be a little bit um, uneven in the germination of fescue if you plant it this late in the, in the wintertime or in the fall. I'm wondering now if I need to start talking about making mixtures of fescue and rye. Rye does germinate at slightly lower temperatures than fescue does. The problem with that is the rye also competes with fescue next spring as everything is greening up. And so you have to be careful in the proportion of ryegrass to fescue grass. And many times I think it does better to do like a 25% ryegrass and 75% fescue grass this time of the year. You'll get some germination if you need to hold the ground. You need a situation where you have to hold the ground for the wintertime. A little bit of rye in there will germinate and then the fescue can come along as it germinates irregularly during the rest of the wintertime. So you still can plant fescue, but I think now's the time to plant a little bit of rye in there with it to keep 
keep the rescue seed happy. It's 648, our number again, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. You shine like a star. You know who you are. You're everything beautiful. Just hot, hot like the sun. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the high in the low 60s, perhaps right now 47 degrees outside. Overnight, it's going to get a little cloudy and probably rain a little bit this evening. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 90% chance of rain, looks like. Tomorrow, colder. 50s in the mid mid to low 50s tomorrow and overnight. 30s, 31 degrees, 20, maybe 8 degrees in some parts of the outer-lying counties of Atlanta. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. One of the things that is still plenty of time to do is to plant trees, shrubs, perennials, and I think you've heard that pike is having a big clearance sale right now, and so if you want to go around to your local pike nursery and find out what is for sale today, this would be a good time to do it. They want to clear everything out before Christmas comes. they got all those Christmas trees that are coming in pretty quickly here. But the trees and shrubs, perennials that you find there are plenty of time to plant them. The ground is still warm enough that the roots have plenty of time to spread out over the wintertime. They'll spread out real nicely and uh, come back to you next spring and be full of life, full of leaves, full of flowers later on. And so now is a great time to plant some of the perennials, shrubs, and, and uh, trees that you can find at Pike Nursery. One of the things I want to emphasize that I tell people in presentations is the biggest problem I see with planting trees is planting them too low. Make sure you know where the first root of the tree is, where the first sort of big flaring root comes out from the tree trunk. Wherever it is, it needs to be right at the soil surface, right close to the soil surface and not way down six or eight inches deep. Another email I commonly get are trees that are about 10 years old that the trunk right close to the ground is full of cracks, big wide cracks where the bark is falling off of the trunk of these young trees, these 10 or 12 year old trees. And many times I can see the bottom of the tree and it comes out of the ground just like a telephone pole. There's no flare to be seen. And when you cannot see the flare on a tree after it's been planted, it is too deep. Make sure when you plant your trees you can see the flare right there above the ground that's where the root comes out from the trunk of the tree. Don't let it be planted deeply. If you have a tree 10 or 15 years old that you maybe planted yourself or even some landscapers planted, make sure that it doesn't come out of the ground like a telephone pole because it may not be long for the world. Look at your trees, examine them, make sure they're healthy, and plant them from the beginning. Plant them healthily so they can have a long and productive life in your landscape. It's 657 at News Talk WSB. Our phone number 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after news. 